Amen. Thank you, Brandon. I asked Brandon to lead us in prayer today um, using the model that Paul used in Colossians chapter 1 and uh, uh, his blessing for Hope Covenant Church. I pray that you will experience uh, God's um, word in a new way, a fresh way today, and that you will recognize the bigness, the greatness, the vastness of Jesus and his gospel. In the state of Maryland, several years ago, there appeared a brand new church. This church, using market research and focus groups, intentionally designed their worship to de-emphasize Jesus. One of their founders uh, said this. He said, the sad fact is that the name of Jesus Christ has become for many people exclusionary. Therefore, this church, using different methods, um, Hinduism, Zen, intermingled with a few less exclusionary Bible verses. Um, They literally recorded music by Willie Nelson to use in their worship. You know, um, and uh, the leader says this about their worship. We're enabling people to discover God themselves, maybe through Jesus, maybe through Buddha, maybe through any number of ways. And then. The leader adds, Jesus for us is just not enough. He is too small. Well, I think the world believes that. I I don't downplay any church that believes that they're doing God's plan. But I I really think that most of the world really does see Jesus as, as too small. Jesus plus Hinduism, maybe. Maybe that's the answer. Jesus plus Taoism or Jesus plus Buddhism, Jesus plus any ism. Maybe that's the answer, because for most people, Jesus just isn't enough. Paul in Colossians disagrees. And with startling clarity and extraordinary beauty, Paul wrote a song. Really, it was an ancient hymn that was used in the early church about the supremacy of of Jesus. I'd like to read that song to you from Colossians 1:15 to 20. This is the word of God for you. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God himself was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, dwell in Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, including you and me, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is God's word for you. Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae, was fighting against a lot of... um, other religious ideas and philosophies. One of the primary ones he was addressing was 
the uh, philosophy of Gnosticism. Now, the word Gnostic uh, comes from the Latin Gnosis. And uh, it meant that um, people could know God through their minds, through their intellects, through their spirits. Uh, Gnosticism taught that um, God did not create the world because the physical world, matter, right, flesh and blood, soil and sun, uh, the real matter was evil. Only the spirit was good. Therefore, God couldn't have possibly created the world. And then arguing that matter was evil, Jesus would not come to earth as a human in bodily form because, again, matter, physical form is evil. Jesus, although important, was not unique. Angels were also spiritual beings. And, in fact, the Gnostics felt that angel worship was an appropriate way to to lift up uh, the name of God. So into this confusion of ideas, Paul speaks to the church about the, the, the bigness we talked about that last week, right? The greatness, the vastness of Jesus. In this hymn, there are two theme, themes that emerge. The supremacy of Jesus over creation, verses 15 to 17, and the supremacy of Jesus over the new creation, the church, and even more specifically, you and I. Paul argues that Jesus is paramount, he's prominent, and he's preeminent over all things, including... And this is where you and I come in, including over the redeemed, you and I and all believers in this world. So let's look at this theme of Christ's supremacy through this through this beautiful hymn. The supremacy of Jesus over creation is the first thing that Paul talks about. Again, in verses 15 to 17, he talks about Jesus being bigger than creation. Sometimes we forget how big creation is. I'd like to show you a... uh, a video of Francis Chan speaking about the bigness, the largeness, the vastness of creation. Let's, let's take a look at that. What, what, what you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth. Okay? Just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California. And we're going we're gonna to rise up for a little bit here. Okay? We're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now you're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the earth. You're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay? There's the moon. You can barely see the earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to a hundred million kilometers. A hundred million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay? You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planet, the 10 trillion kilometers. And now we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros. And the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away. Come on, let's go. Zoom. There you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun 
with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go a thousand light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further, and you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy, and, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. Now, you tell me, how, how big is our creation? I mean, we, we tend to look at our world and we look at things around us and say, wow, that's really big. How, how big is the creation? I mean, really, how big is the creation? And if the creation is even as enormous as we're imagining, and that's, that's not the end of it. We don't, mankind doesn't know the end of it. And the Bible says that Jesus literally, as the Son of God, with just a wave of his hand, created the heavens and the earth. How big is Jesus? If our creation is even bigger than what we have seen, and Jesus is the one who created it, how big is Jesus? Verse 16 says, all things were created by him and for him. How big is Jesus? Let me share just a couple of truths for you from those first verses, uh, the supremacy over creation, about the bigness of Jesus. It says, first of all, that he is God. Now, there's a lot of controversy. Antinomianism was about that and Trinitarianism and all kinds of things. But Jesus Christ, and this is one of the great themes in the New Testament, and it's not just in one place, it's in hundreds of places, especially in the Gospel of John. Jesus Christ says, I am God. Deal with it. Figure it out. (laughs) I am God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is what God looks like in the flesh. Now, now, I want you to listen carefully to this. Jesus is not just a symbol of God. He is God himself. The word image in the Greek is the word icon, E-I-K-O-N, where we get the word image or icon, I-C-O-N. And this icon refers to a likeness, a manifestation, or a replica. In that culture, image was a die or a stamp that you would put like on your passport and it would show things that were unique about you that nobody else experienced. Now, this was uniquely, Jesus was uniquely, as the Son of God, He was God in the flesh. Precise copy of God Himself. In other words, Jesus both represents and manifests God to the world. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God But God, the one and only, 
who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus. That phrase, made him known, means that Jesus declares, or if you know any theology, Jesus exegetes to the world what the Father really is like. Now, exegete is to dig into the text and figure out what is actual, the real meaning there. Jesus exegetes. You dig into Jesus and you see what really God is and who he is. John 14, 9 says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews 1, 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation, icon, of his being. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 refers to Christ as the image of of God. Someone has said uh, very cleverly, I believe, that, that God or that Jesus is God with skin on. I think that's a pretty good word picture. So the first thing that song says is that Jesus is God. The second thing it says is that he is the unique son of God, firstborn over all creation. A lot of misunderstanding arises out of this text that Jesus is firstborn. They, they see that and they say, oh, that means that Jesus really was a creation of God. No. Jesus was God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there from all time. Read in the original Hebrew in Genesis, when it says God created the world, it says we created the world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the the Trinity has always been together. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now the word firstborn in Greek means an heir or an owner. It doesn't talk about, it's not talking about uh, a chronological order of some sort. In the ancient world, the word firstborn meant a ranking or one who is the supreme one, firstborn. I'll give you an example. In uh, Psalm 89, 27, uh, it talks about uh, David, King David, being the firstborn. Yet, David was the youngest of eight sons. Okay, so firstborn is a title of honor, of position, not chronological order. So not only is Jesus God... He is also the firstborn, the first idea, Logos, the first idea of God in the universe. He is the firstborn over all creation. It also says that he is the creator of all things. <laughs> he's God, he's firstborn of God, and he's creator of all things. All that you saw in that, uh, that video clip that Francis Chan was showing you, all of that backing up, backing up, back up, larger, vaster, enormous creation. Jesus is the creator of all of that. Heaven and earth, it says, visible and invisible. Throne, powers, rulers, authorities, angels, kings, presidents. He is over all things. Jesus is Lord of all. And you have to ask yourself the question today, Is Jesus big enough for you? So many people in our world say, no, Jesus isn't quite enough. I need Jesus plus uh, antinomianism. I need Jesus plus politics. I need Jesus plus speaking in tongues. I need Jesus plus something else. No, Jesus is enough. He is big enough. He is great enough. He is vast enough. And the last thing this uh, text says is that he holds all things together in verse 17. He is God He's firstborn. He is creator of all things, and he holds all things together. It's important to keep in mind that Jesus holds everything together. In verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus existed before everything else, as he declared John 8:58, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus holds all things together. Is Jesus big enough and strong enough to hold you together? 
Is he big enough to keep you together when your life seems to be spinning out of control? Is he vast enough to know your life, know your heart, love you eternally, grace you immensely? Is he big enough to hold you together? I I believe he is. He is not only uh, the creating God, he is the reconciling God. What would happen if Jesus were removed from the earth? Now, we know that Jesus is everywhere, but specifically, Jesus is present on this planet uh, through you and me. Colossians 1.27, Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? Christ is in us. In the Old Testament, God came down to man. In the New Testament, Christ is in us. So the presence of believers in this world is the presence of God in this world. And what would happen if you were to take believers out of this world? If you were to take all presence of Christ out of this world, take everything spiritual out of this world, what would happen? Well, a story was written over 100 years ago by William Golding, a little book by the name of Lord of the Flies. You probably read it in high school. And really, uh, he was a a theologian, and uh, he was trying to give kind of a spiritual idea of what the world would look like like if you removed Christ. So here's these British, uh, little snot-nosed British kids, and they all were privileged and all elitists, and they were uh, shipwrecked on this island, no adults, just kids. And what happened is, uh, the the idea is what would happen if we had no rules, no uh, uh, parameters, no spirit? No Christ to hold us together. And the result of that was uh, colossal failure. The kids just went back to rudimentary eye for an eye, kill, be killed, and it was just ugly. But you know, it was a beautiful picture of what the world would be if you removed Christ. He holds all things together. But not only is he supreme over creation, he is supreme over all things over his new creation, verses 18 to 20. He is the head of the church, it says. He is the source or the authority of the church. Now, the series that we did before we started this last week is that uh, Jesus was the vine and we are the branches. And as long as you are vitally linked, right, you're vitally linked, connected to the vine, the life of Jesus flows through you, and that's when you bear fruit. And we we spent several weeks on that uh, beautiful picture And that's what this is talking about here. He is the head of the church. If you don't have Christ with his life flowing into you, you have no church. And Christ says, I'm not only the head of the church, but I hold the church together as well. Jesus Christ in our world today is not supreme in many churches. Uh, He wasn't supreme in Colossae. Other philosophies, including Gnosticism, were kind of pressing in. They had lost their connection to the source, to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is supreme over the church, and we bow. We, and I'm talking about Hope Covenant Church, we bend a knee to his authority and his authority alone. In this new creation, he is the head of the church. But here's the really good news for you and for me. The other thing it says is that he reconciles all things to himself. (laughs) He reconciles all things to himself. Is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Is he great enough to reconcile all things, see both seen and unseen in heaven and earth? Uh, uh, Jack Maloof is a uh, 
uh, a bat- batting coach for the Kansas City Royals, a uh, member of our church. And, and it reminds me of uh, back in the 80s when the Kansas City Royals were pretty good. They haven't been good since then. Um, and they had a player on their roster by the name of, anybody remember? Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Not for a long time, but he was there for a while. And, and so Bo Jackson, one time after one of his at-bats, when he struck out, this is a big guy. He played football, too. He's a big, strong guy. And this is the first time this had ever been done. Uh, he took his bat. Remember what he did? And went, boom, and just broke it right over his knee. And everybody just kind of gasped. <laughs> they didn't think you could be strong enough to break uh, a, bat, a bat over your knee. And people have done it since then. But he was the first one to do that. Here's, here's, here's my point. Uh, that bat is irreparable. Now, look at that image of a bat that is splintered. You have splinters on both. There's no way you can repair that bat. It's impossible. You have to just get a new bat. That uh, seemingly irreparable thing uh, in the Greek, for that in order to become, come together again and to be whole again, that's the word reconciliation. So you and I, the Bible says, we are aliens we are foreign. We have said no to God a thousand times, some of us a million times. We have said no, no, no. And, and God is constantly saying, but I want to reconcile you, not the, all, all the creation. One day the Bible says, Revelation, uh, Revelation says, that all things will be new. Heaven and earth will be new. That's where we're heading, folks. Uh, you might think that we're heading to a, uh, you know, a, a big bang and a big blow up and uh, 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 bombs and all that. We probably are. But after that comes the new heaven and the new earth. That's where we're heading. Uh, Jesus said, I promise you I'll make all things new. But the thing he was talking about most part, the thing that he cared about most was you. Your life has been broken like a bat. Irreparable. Nothing you can do to fix it. You have sinned. You have broken God's heart. You have broken his laws. You are a broken, shattered bat. But Christ came to this world. Is he big enough? Christ came to this world to put that back together, to put you back together, to take the broken pieces of your life. Is he strong enough to hold you, to keep you? He promised to put you back together. Now, that's, the, that's, that's, that's reconciliation. And you look at the text and you see reconciliation and look at the focus. Just, we'll, we'll go through these quickly. The focus of reconciliation. To reconcile what? To himself. The focus is to not give you a happy new life. Now, that happens sometimes, but not all the time. Mostly, if you become a Christian, your life's going to get tougher. I hate to tell you that, but that's exactly what's going to happen. But the promise is that if you are reconciled, if you are put back together, if you are healed and you're stronger than you were before, right, you are reconciled to himself, to Jesus Christ. And that's the focus. The scope, what? All things. All things will be reconciled to God, including, and most importantly, his creation, you and me. The result is peace. We were uh, talking about um, our, our first lesson in our, in our men's group on Friday morning. Uh, we're, we're going through our, our workbook for Colossians. And we were talking about this, this word peace. And uh, one of the members of our class, uh, Tom Ryan, who's, who's here, was sharing his testimony how that years ago, uh, he recognized uh, uh, in another member of our church, Rusty Barton, uh, that there was something that Rusty had that made his life filled with peace. Right, Tom? There was peace there. And well, the peace he found out, because Rusty shared with him, was that Jesus lived in his heart. And he gave him peace. There's this uh, See, when, when your sins have been forgiven and your eternity is settled, that brings you peace. Now, if you're not experiencing that peace, 
you need to take a look at your heart. But, but that's what this promise is. He will make all things new. And he, the result is that you will have peace. The hostility will end. And the means by which that will happen is through his blood shed on a cross. Now, let me ask this question. Are you in need of reconciliation? Is your life broken and splintered and unable to be put back together? And let me ask you another question. Is Christ big enough to do it? I'm talking about the Christ that waved his arm and, and put up the, uh, the heavens and the earth. I'm talking about the Christ who came in a body on this earth and he went to the cross. And when his blood was shed, his blood was shed for you. That your blood might not have to be shed. That's what I'm talking about. Is he big enough to reconcile you? Colossians 1.20 And through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Uh, consider this. So, God, our, our life is kind of like my fist. And um, we go through life and we know that our life is not working and this represents our position before God, kind of defiant. Remember 1968 Olympics, you know, the, you know, the black power thing. Well, you know, those folks didn't invent this. You know, Adam and Eve did, and they passed it on to you. You know, this you know, defiance before God. And what this fist before God says, that, that I'm alienated from you because of my sin. We're enemies. We're enemies of God. Our minds are at war with Him because our behavior is evil, and this hand, this fist represents uh, uh, that I am defiant before a holy God. But here's what Jesus did. This is what reconciliation did. He took that, uh, that fist and this is what he did. He placed his perfect, innocent son over that defiance and that anger and that sin. And when God looks at us, he sees the son the righteousness, the purity, the whiteness. Let me ask you this question this morning. Is Jesus big enough to overcome your sin? He's bigger than all creation because he created. (laughs) Is he big enough to sustain you in your hurt, in your pain, in your brokenness? Is he big enough to reconcile you? After 9-11 the late uh, Paul Harvey, who just went to be with the Lord, I think, a couple of years ago. The late Paul Harvey on his noon broadcast reminded listeners that Billy Graham's words were heard all around the world when he spoke at the National Cathedral several weeks after 9-11. Mr. Harvey then quoted from the book of Daniel and the Gospel of Mark, stating that the Gospel would be preached to the whole world. Jerry, that's what we're talking about today. The Gospel would would be preached to the whole world, and then the end would come. He then paused and said this, To some of you, this brings great comfort. To others of you, if it's not comforting, you can make it so. It's time to make it so. Well, I'm not reconciled to God. I don't know Jesus. I've not experienced that life in me that you're talking about, Pastor Duane. Well, it's time to make it so. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads with me for just a moment.